0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm going to just stand over out of the light and look at you a little bit. Kind of like to see who I'm preaching to. Amen. We're glad you're here this morning. I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm getting at the stage in life. I'm glad to be anywhere. Tom, you know, but I I, I praise the Lord. Jason, good to see you, David, and uh, so many others this morning and wonderful, wonderful time on missions today. And I appreciate your church. I appreciate Brother Goss, and uh, the year, he and I were contemporaries. We kind of served together. My first, 1991, I came to Highland Park, and I, I got the phone book out and I read about all the churches. You might remember this, Brother Goss. And i was ta- I, there were 439 churches in Hamilton County in the Chattanooga region, and I said, "Here's one, boy. This is a great name for a." A, 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 a Baptist Christian church, miles straight Baptist. God said, walk straight and narrow way. I said, that sounds like a great church to me. Now, Brother Goss called me and he was kind of filling me in on it all. And, uh, but I appreciated him. I appreciate his son, Tom, and your pastor. Tom and I get to serve together on Global Faith Mission Board. And, and I want to tell you, he's just not talking about missions. He's got a heart for missions. You know that already. But he does everything he can to enhance other missionaries and work in their hearts and work in their life. Take your Bible now. And uh, I'm going to try to go at this. Stay in the time limit that you can bear. Amen. I've seen some preachers overdo it. I finish before they do. (laughs) And I hope we all finish at the same time. Amen. All right, look at your Bible, if you would. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And uh, you know, you got one of your other heroes in this church. I don't know where Brother Tommy Sneed sits, but uh, Tommy's the general manager of WDYN. And I've watched Tommy right here. Tommy, stand up. These folks need to, they probably know who you are, but he's one of my heroes. He and I worked together for years as he's managed WDYN. Wouldn't be here today if it weren't for his dream. And brother Tom, I tell you what I'd like to do. At the end of the time when you take the love offering, rather than giving it to me, if you'd take it, let's give it to brother Tommy. Cause I know he and his wife, he's had a lot of uh, bills and all that. So if you were gonna give me a dollar, give Tom five, amen? I mean, let's give a great offering and, and love and bless them. And Lord takes care of me and I'm blessed beyond measure. And so we want, and we love to be blessed. All right, take your Bible. Let's go to work. Father, we love you. I pray you'd help me to preach. My mind will be clear on just what you want to be said, that everybody's heart will be open. We'll think about missions and evangelizing a lost world for us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. Look, the Lord is not, is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. Now, what promise? Well, if you read through this section here, you're going to see these, verse 10. He says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The heavens and earth are going to pass away. The new heaven, the new earth. It, it, the day of the Lord covers beginning at the rapture through the end of the judgment section of the white throne judgment. And God says, he's not slack. God promised he's coming. Now, I'm glad every promise God's given is dependable to us amen i'm going to heaven because jesus died for me i wouldn't trust my best five seconds i'm going because i put my faith in him and him alone he's my blessed hope he's the way to get to heaven now watch the verse again but as long suffering to usward he's patient how many of you did god wait a long time work with you not give up on you so that you could get saved I ran from God. God tried to call me to preach when I was 15. I thought preachers were sissies, and I didn't want to be one. So I, I ran. I joined the Marines, ran all over the world trying to run from God. But you can't outrun God, and God is long-suffering. And God patiently stayed after me and saved my soul. Why? Look at this. He's long-suffered, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Now look up here a minute. You may not know this, but the word missions and missionary is not found in the Bible. Not in there. It's like the word rapture. It's not in there. We get the word rapture from the Vulgate, the Latin translation, which the Latin word rapto. Now the word taken out, snatched out to this, the Greek word herpazo. The word Trinity is not found in there. But friends, listen to me. The truth of all three of these words, missions, the rapture, the coming of Jesus, the Trinity, is filled throughout the entire word of God and is illustrated in the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible in its wholeness, and its totality, tells us of the intention of God is to save lost mankind. That's why you and I are here. He came into the world to seek the lost. So this is our mission. This is our goal. This is our duty. And I want to talk to you quickly on three simple truths about missions, okay? I think they're simple, but I think they're heart-convicting. I think there's something to base your heart and your soul and your life on. Here's truth number one. Missions is the heart of Jesus Christ, our Lord. When God in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God the Father's intercessor before us. The passion of the Lord Jesus Christ Is that people might be saved he doesn't want anybody to go to hell he wants none to perish but all to be born again take your Bible over to the Gospel of John chapter 4 look with me at verse 3 and 4 now you know uh, chapter 4 deals with the Samaritan woman and Jesus is going into Samaria to sit beside Jacob's well to meet her share the good news with her that she might be saved now this woman's a wreck This woman's been married five times already. That'll that'll wreck any woman. And she's living with a man now that's not her husband. I mean, so she's in a mess. She's ostracized. Nobody cares about her. But I'll tell you somebody who does is Jesus Christ, the son of God. God loves that woman. And she's on his heart. And he's going to make a special trip there just for her. Now look at your Bible. John chapter 4 verse 3. He, Jesus, left Judea, that's the southern province of Israel, and departed into Galilee, that's the northern province of Israel, to walk from Judea to Galilee is 70 miles, usually takes two and a half days. Look at your Bible, verse 4. Here's the key verse. And he must, needs, go through Samaria. Now there are two highways from Judea to the northern territory of Galilee. One is much shorter than the other. Devout, pharisaical Jews avoided the shorter route, kind of the straighter route, and they because it went through Samaria, about a six or seven hour walk from uh, Judea. They would rather go all the way around, go almost out to the coast, up and back into Galilee to keep from coming in contact with the Samaritans in Samaria. Now, why do they hate these people so bad? They were the Jews that were left behind in the captivity. When the Assyrians came in and took the land, these Jews integrated with the Assyrians and married into the Assyrians and they became the Samaritans. They adopted much of what the Assyrians believed and the Pharisaical Jews, the typical Jew, hated them. But look at verse 4 again. It says, and he, Jesus, must. You see it? Why? Because there's a woman that's lost and hell bound, will never be saved in the place that she is unless the Savior of the world goes there to meet her. The Lord's heart is filled with a love for the lost, so much so. That he even went this route among the despised people, the Samaritans, that no other Jew would go. And remember, Luke 19:10, it says, Here's the reason he came, here's his mission. He came to seek and save those that are lost. Look at the verse a little bit closer. He must needs go through Samaria. It emphasizes the urgency, and it is passed on to you and me. Look at me we are also responsible for the souls of men and women. You and I, as Christians, will kneel at the judgment seat of Christ. I just finished a series on the judgment seat of Christ. You and I will kneel before the Lord, not give account for our sins because they have been washed in the blood and we've been saved at Calvary, but you and I will give account of our lives on what we have done with Jesus Christ. And boy, that needs to impact our hearts and our souls. Amen? He told you and I, the last commandment, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me ask you a question. Have you got a burden for the lost? Young people, boy, you got all that energy and fire. Do you care, older seniors like me, do you care about the souls of people? Have you got a burden for lost souls? Do you have a giving heart to the lost? Man, I want to give. I want to be a giver. And, and, and I'm going to talk to you tonight, when we come back tonight, on, on how do you have a life strategy? Sue and I sat down. we planned a missionary strategy with our lives. You know, my life's running out. I don't know how much longer I've got. I, I read in the paper people younger than me dying every day. And, and, and I'm in the last quarter. I'm getting down close to the goal line. And I want to use my life while I can. I mean, I got more things that I even knew I had that hurt. Amen. Tommy, you know about that. Some of you older people know about that. You young people, you don't know about that. Man, I was a Marine. I was a national powerlifting champion. I was strong. I didn't worry about having a new body. I had a great body. Could run and jump and strong. Boy, those days are past. I can jump about that high if I'm careful. Help us, Jesus. Amen. But you know one thing I can still do? I can still tell people about Jesus. I can use my life for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you another question. Do you participate in the mission ministry of your church? Every one of you, nobody ought to walk out of here this week without making a faith commitment. I'll talk to you about it in a minute, a faith promise, just a moment. See, God has only one only begotten Son, and God made him a missionary. God said, I'm gonna send you, son, from heaven here, and I'm gonna send you into the world to seek and save the lost. And God has a plan for you, whoever you are, wherever you are, to be a missionary. So to be like Jesus, we must go. In Mark 1:38, he said this: they were in one town, he told his disciples, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, listen to this, for therefore I came forth. I had two of my college buddies call me, Joel Hughes and Charlie Melvin. Uh, Charlie uh, was a captain in the Navy, a chaplain. Joel, a, a great evangelist preacher. And they called me and said, David, we need you out here. We want you to come preach for us. Brownsville, Texas. I said, all right, I'll come. They said, we're going to send you a ticket. I said, no, I'll get a ticket. No, we're going to send you a ticket. I think they thought I may back out once I found out where we were going. And so they sent me the ticket. I flew into uh, town, got there to Brownsville. They met me, and I said, all right, where's the church? Uh, They said, uh, you know the reason we wanted you here? I said, no, preach. They said, no, we needed a Marine. And I said, oh, my word. Now, what's that got to do with preaching? He said, come on, we'll show you. We went down and they took me to a big old park, just a big open area park. Uh, and Brownsville, Texas is right across from Matamoros, Mexico. They were, this park, the police didn't even go in this thing at night. I mean, they're out there buying drugs, selling drugs, doing all kind of stuff. And they said, "This is where we felt like God wanted us to minister." And we thought you'd. So we went out there, and look, they had built a box about like this, this. This, I think that's a speaker box, right? About like that speaker box. Had a little step to get on it. So they said, "There it is." And there's people spread out all over that thing. They're sitting there and smoking marijuana and laying out in the grass and just doing nothing. And they said, "Go ahead." So I get up and get my Bible, and I just start preaching. They didn't even look up at me. They thought I was on marijuana or something. They said, that sucker, got he's high as a kite. He's going out there and going at it. And I preached for 35, 40 minutes. I mean, nobody even moved. I gave an altar call. They didn't even look up. We got through, and I got down off that box. I was, I was discouraged. I was embarrassed. You ever been embarrassed about going to witness? Most of the time I'm not, but I was there. Here I am standing out on that box. We went back to the motel and I said, God, I, I, I need to just spend some time with the Lord. And I, I told the Lord, God, I was, I, I was frustrated, I was embarrassed, nobody even looking. You gotta help me, I, I, I just know if I can handle this. You gotta do something for me. And I prayed for boldness. So I went out the next day, got back on my box, Took off again. Nothing. Back at the hotel. Prayed again, Lord help me. Next day I got out there and one old hippie boy looked about like a hippie. He came down there, man. He, he sat right in front of me. Right there. Right about where you are, brother. And man, I, so I just preached to him. I'm just preaching away. And oh, man, he didn't do anything, but at least he came and he looked up every now and then. So I was encouraged a little. Next, next day we came out, there he was, and he had three buddies, Tom. And I preached that, that day, fourth day. And I gave an altar call, and that old boy got up and came and put his head on that box. God saved his soul. He went out and got his buddies. Before it was over, we had a whole host. We had 27 saved out in the middle of that park. Boy, howdy. God said, listen, you got to be willing to go. I wouldn't have chose that place. Probably if they'd have told me, I don't know if I'd have had the courage to go. I think I would, but I don't know. The first truth is that missions is the heart of Jesus Christ. God loves missions and reaching souls. Truth number two, real quick. Missions is the hope of the condemned. Listen to me. Missions is the hope of the condemned. You know, I'm I'm praying for the meeting of our president in the midst of the Muslims. I'm praying that God will open doors, that our churches will have more liberty, that we'll be able to get missionaries in. Boy, those so many countries are shut with a hatred of Christianity, that that there'll be a little pause and a little crack that we can get in with the gospel and and minister to them. In Luke chapter 16, you know this. uh, If I weren't in your church, I'd read this whole passage. There's so many churches you go in today, people don't know their Bibles. If you said Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus, they wouldn't have the fog what you're talking about. But I know that you do, so I'm just going to reference this. Uh, this rich man dressed sumptuously every day, uh, lived h- high, everything you could think of. Outside his gate was a man named Lazarus. He was saved, didn't have anything. He begged for the crumbs of the rich man. The dogs came out and licked him. This rich man passed him every day. Lazarus died and the angel took him to Abraham's bosom. That was paradise. The rich man died and the scripture says he opened his eyes up in hell. Hell's still real. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You're playing church. You're going through the routines and you've never been truly washed in the blood and born again and saved by God's grace through faith. You'll live and you'll die and you'll perish in hell. That's why we're trying to reach souls and bring them to Jesus. You see, without the gospel, the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe, to the Jew first and also the Greek. If we'll get the gospel out, I can't save one soul, but I can get the gospel out. Remember me telling the story, and I wasn't going to tell, but just, did I tell y'all the story about the track? Jason, remember we let all those tracks go off? We tied, the students wanted to send tracks up in the sky, get air balloons filled with helium and a string on them. Did I tell you all that story? Okay, I'm going to do it quick because it didn't, it didn't, it takes, going to take a couple of minutes here. But they wanted to do it, so I said, all right, come on. They blew them all up, 10,000. We tied a gospel track on them just like this one, except the, this one says how to get to heaven from wherever you are. Uh, the, the one we used then was how to get to heaven from Chattanooga. We, we rolled these up, tied them on the other sent them off. I told the kids, I said, now, I, I'm, uh, it, I, we may be wasting money. I don't know anybody up there that's lost. Everybody I know up there is saved, amen. But let's go anyway. We turned them loose. It was the prettiest thing you ever seen. Went and had breakfast in the dining room, turned them all loose out in the street, 10,000 of them. They're just going up like a great cloud. I'm thinking, what if they go in the flight pattern and suck them up in a plane and crash and kill everybody. What have we done? They gonna sue us all anyway. But one went to Resaca, Georgia, nearly 200 miles away. And, and it, the helium came down. It took a couple of days, but the helium let it down. It landed, a farmer was driving in his tractor. He was praying. What do I do? How do I get saved? He got out of his tractor, put it in neutral, went out in that plowed up dirt, Picked up that thing, unrolled that track, looked at it, read the gospel plan, nailed in that dirt, and was saved. And God had him send it to me. It's in my office right now, hanging by my desk. He wrapped it, he popped the balloon, wrapped it up, mailed it by. I called him. I said, did you really get saved? Oh, you of little faith. (laughs) Did you really tell? And he told me his story. Another man was out squirrel hunting. Saw the balloon, shot the balloon. (laughs) Must not have been finding any squirrels. Anyway, he, he got saved too. The gospel of Jesus Christ. If we'll get the gospel out, the gospel will impact the hearts and lives of men and women. Amen? Man is helpless, hopeless, and hell bound. Many unsaved don't realize this, most of them. Many Christians don't realize that truth. But there are those people who are in hell already that believe it. Listen to this man's statement in hell. Then he said, verse 27 of Luke 16, I pray thee, talking to Abraham, I pray thee that father, that thou would send him Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Man, he wanted him to hear the gospel. He pleads for his family. He's got a burden now. Have you got a burden? Have you got a burden for souls? That's what Miles Strait Baptist Church is all about. Let me read you a quick poem, A Voice from Hell. A guy wrote this off of this. Listen to what he says. You lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams or joys or tears. A friend of me you were indeed, a friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and Sure. We had such trust as should endure. No spats between us ever rose. Our friends were alike and so our foes. What sadness then, my friend, to find that after all you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth had end, I found that you weren't a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never talked of the second birth. You never spoke of my lost soul and the Messiah who'd make my life whole. I plead today from hell's cruel fire. And tell you now my last desire. You cannot do a thing for me. No words today. My bonds will free. But do not err, my friend, again. Do all you can for the souls of men. Plead with them now quite earnestly, lest they be cast in hell with me. Have you got anybody you missed? When I was in the Marines, I had a good friend, Tony Ibbison from up in Michigan. I wouldn't say then. I was lost. Night before Tony was killed, we were sitting in the barracks. And Tony said, David, you got a Christian family. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do about this eternity stuff? I said, Tony, I going not do anything. I'm going to live my life and worry about it later. The next night, Tony was killed. I remember the day, it still haunts me. I remember the day going out and the medevac coming in. And Tony laying on that stretcher, his eyes and mouth open with such shock. Now, I thought, later on in my heart and mind, I said, "Just the shock of death." If I'd been a Christian, I could have said, "Tony, I'll tell you what to do, and I'd have led him to Christ. Have you missed anybody? Are there people that like this man, are going to be lost? And you have a chance to tell them, oh, God, help us to be sensitive and conscious of the souls around us so that we are missionaries. The story is told of an agnostic professor, like so many in America today, who visited the Fiji Islands. He told this elderly chief, he said, you're a great leader. It's a pity you've been fooled by those missionaries. No one in America believes the Bible is the word of God anymore. People are tired of hearing that Jesus died for our sins. We don't even have sin in America anymore. They know better now. Sorry you've been deceived. The old chief looked at him and said, see that great big rock right there? He said, yeah. He said, we used to smash our victims' heads on that rock. He said, see that oven there beside that rock? He said, yeah. He said, that's where we used to roast our victims. You see, sir, the missionary who came with the gospel of Jesus Christ changed us from cannibals to Christians. Without the gospel, you would have been our next meal. It makes a difference. Do you realize the power of the gospel? That all you have to do is get the gospel out, preach the gospel. Are you prepared to share it? Are you, in your life you said, I get up in the morning looking for an opportunity to share my faith. Are you seeking those opportunities? Paul was thrilled with the power of the gospel. Take your Bible and we're almost finished. So hang in there. Romans chapter 10. Paul was thrilled with the power of the gospel. Boy, he believed it and believed in it. Look at your Bible, Romans chapter 10, verses eight and nine, watch. What saith it? And now he quotes Deuteronomy. Paul is preaching, the word is nigh thee, Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. He said the word of God's right there. Now, that so the key is we've got to get the word of God to people. We've got to take every avenue. That's one reason I love WDYN. And Sue and I give and are part of that because I can be asleep 24 hours a day and they're still preaching. Amen? Look. Watch now. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God is raising from the dead, what? It works, thou shalt be saved. How many of you have seen that happen? You seen it in your life. I've seen thousands of people come to Jesus Christ. If they call upon the Lord, it works. Verse 10, for with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. This is the sufficiency of it. And with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. You remember who first shared the gospel with you? You know who was instrumental in me being saved? Gunny Sergeant Cramblett. Remember I told you I didn't want to be a Christian. I thought they were sissies. Gunny Cramblett was about a little bit taller than me, about five foot 11, about 215, 20 pounds. He was a hero. Congressional permission to wear ribbons on both sides of his chest. I mean, a deadly man. He was a warrior. He'd walk up and tell me, he'd never gone through soul winning training. He said, David, you're going to die and go to hell. Just point at me. You know you ought to be saved. You're going to die and go to hell. He didn't take me through the Romans Road, EE, faith, nothing. Just point. I hated it. I didn't hate him. I hated to see him coming. I wanted to get away from that man. I knew he was going to say, David, come here. What? you going to go to hell. My word, would you quit that? Here I'm over here in Vietnam. Somebody's going to kill me, and you're saying I'm going to hell. But he wasn't a sissy. I knew that man wasn't a sissy. And that word of God just kept rolling on my heart and on my soul and on my life. Can you remember who told you? Somebody loved you enough, brave enough, bold enough to confront you lovingly? Can you remember the impact on your life? It changed me. It changed my life. Listen to me, Paul was troubled by how people would hear the gospel. God said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, who will go for me? Who will go out there and tell them? Jesus said, pray with me for laborers, for the fields are white unto harvest. And then he said, as my father has sent me, so send I, as my father sent me, I'm sending you, you. Will you be an instrument in God's hand to share the gospel? Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation any other. For there is another name out of heaven given among men which by we must be saved. There's no other way. Only Jesus. If you're a Muslim, you need the gospel. If you're a Buddhist, you need the gospel. or You're going to perish in your sins. Only, only Jesus. I was preaching at the IBJM, International Board of Jewish Missions annual banquet. And uh, I finished preaching, Dr. Robertson and Dr. Leroy had come along and uh, he was 96 then and he, he wasn't able to go out much now because his health was failing and, and, and he, he just had it in him. He wanted to tell somebody. So I finished preaching up there and I said, Dr. Robertson, would you like to come say a word a minute? And he walked up there and he was a tall man, but he had shrunk. You know how you get old, you shrink. You wouldn't believe I used to be six foot five, would you? No, he wasn't because I wasn't, but I was five foot 11 and I'm shrinking. Had my physical. The doctor said, you're such. And such. I said, wait a minute, I'm taller than that. He said, no, you're not. I said, I'd lost a half an inch gone. I said, where'd it go? He said, it's compacting. Isn't that sad? I'm getting shorter by the day. Amen. Y'all pray for me. But he stood up there, and he came behind the pulpit. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. He looked at the crowd. He had arthritis in his fingers. And his finger was bent. And he pointed out at the crowd. It was real quiet. And he looked at the crowd, and he said, Hell. 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 People are dying and going to hell and we must reach them I'll never forget it God wrote it across my heart that's why we have mission Sunday last point now then we're through missions missions is the heart of Jesus Christ missions is the hope of the condemned missions is the health of the church you want your church to be healthy and strong and vibrant the last command of our Lord, as we said before, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Only as Miles Strait Baptist Church fulfills her missionary obligation does she justify her existence. God says So many churches across America quit preaching the gospel, quit standing to the Lord, quit seeking seek sold. They're, they're, they're not worth anything to God. They're not doing what God told them to do. Our existence is evangelism, missions. It begins with our families, with our neighbors, with our job. Not just the foreign field, Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the uttermost part of the earth. Your community, your city, your state, your nation, and around the world. Listen to me. This is our mission mandate. See the need this morning. The fields are literally white in the harvest. Our, our country's in such terrible shape. We need the gospel so desperately. God needs you, every Christian, every witness, we need to pray for more laborers. I pray for laborers every morning. I pray for your pastor four times a week. He's on a list of pastors I pray for. I pray for him every Saturday in preparation. I pray for you every Sunday morning that God will bless you as you preach. I pray for you on Monday that you'll recover and be refreshed and be encouraged. A lot of preachers are discouraged on Mondays. Maybe had a hard Sunday and all that. And I pray for him on Wednesday night. We ought to be praying for the labors, for the resources, for souls. And then we need to go. Look at me. You need to have a personal missions plan, a personal strategy of your life. You're worried about your investments and investment portfolio. You ought to have a spiritual portfolio because that's what's going to count. Amen. The church that doesn't evangelize will fossilize. God cannot do his work without you. Look at that. Don't hinder the will of God. A couple of questions real quick and we'll close. Where are you involved in the mission ministry of Miles Strait Baptist Church? You ought to be able to identify a spot in your heart, in your ministry, in your life. Have you made a commitment to give each week to the missions offering at Highland Park? We had the Sunday night offering and the Wednesday night offering with the missions when I was pastor There. Faith missions is this, listen, you go and get on your knees before God and you ask God to tell you what he will give to you to give to him for missions. And when you pray over the Holy Spirit witnesses to you, look, I want you to give so much. Then you put that on there and you begin to pray that God give it to you and you watch for it, that God will give it to you. God I'm have people walk up and 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 give it to you. We were invited to Argentina. The tickets are pretty expensive over there, back and forth and all that. And I, I told the guy, I said, you pray with me that God will provide it and I'll agree to come. That's like faith. Promise. Lord, I promise you I'll go. You give me the resources to go. Had a man call me, a businessman in Atlanta, so why don't you come over and eat lunch with me? I said, all right, drove over. He said, I don't know why, but God's burdened me to give you this check. It was enough to pay for those tickets. That's what faith missions is about. Faith in God, you promise God, if he gives it to you, you will give it to him, amen? I could have said, whoa, look at this, a check for several thousands of dollars. I have been blessed. It wasn't for that, it was for missions, amen? Do you, do you pray for your pastor, your staff, your missionaries, the outreach of this church every day? I mean every day that God would bless. Panther Creek Bridge, you ever heard of it? I know you haven't. It's in western Kentucky. It was built during the recession in the 30s. Beautiful, beautiful stone bridge. It's just the most impressive thing. Only thing about it, it's no use because there's no road that went to it. No road to it, no road from it. It's no good. It's no use at all. Maybe you can go out there and take a picture of it, but it's not carrying any traffic. The church that doesn't go with the gospel, individual doesn't go to the gospel, is not being used as should for the Lord. Jesus Christ alone can save the world, but Christ can't save the world alone. He needs a witness. He needs you. Coca-Cola is everywhere. Their motto is this, think globally, but act locally. Think worldwide, but start right here.